Now is the time to harvest the light. Now is the time to rekindle the sun inside our hearts. So good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church where this community of Kensington Unitarians has its spiritual home. We bid you a special welcome this morning if you are a visitor here today, perhaps from other Unitarian groups around the country or from across the seas, or perhaps it's the first, this is the first time that you've walked into a Unitarian setting like this. We always have bunting up, this is just everyday <laughs> stuff for us. Whoever you are, and however you are this morning, there is a space for you here, a chance to rest for a while, um, to reconnect with yourself, with others, and with that which you hold to be of greatest worth. And today you may have guessed that this is our annual Harvest Festival service. It's followed by a bring and share lunch. Do please stay and eat with us if you, if you have the time. And don't worry if you haven't brought food with you, we've got plenty to share. So I invite you now to take a conscious breath. Let's tell ourselves that we are here now. Whatever our journey has been like to get here, however our last few days have been, and whatever awaits us in the days ahead, let's be here now, together. Stilling, if we can, our busy hearts and minds. Finding that inner peace that connects us all. Let us harvest the light of being in community. Let us remember that we are one with our planet. Orbiting our sun, our source of light and life. Our chalice flame is now lit. It's marking today the turning of the seasons and it's lit in recognition of the inner light which continues to shine within us, even as the days in these northern lands start to shorten. So may this flame ignite in us a glimmer of hope when we are in despair, a beam of clarity in our times of confusion, a light of truth when we are disillusioned, and a sparkle of warmth to spread throughout this community and all others, a glow of light to lead us on our way. So let's sing a, a traditional harvest song today in this green book. It's number 271 and it's called Give Thanks, number 271.
So may the divine spirit of life and love be with us now and bless this time we spent together. As we gather in this place of worship with, with harvest gifts, as, as so many generations have done before us, may our hearts be filled with gratitude. Grateful that we have food to eat, somewhere to live, fresh water to drink. Above all, let us be thankful for the most precious gift, the gift of life and love itself. This autumn time, let us give thanks for the, for the abundance of our natural world, for, for the crops of the harvest time, delighting us with their plenty. May each of us find something for which we can give thanks now. However tough the roads that we're traveling. And as our planet steadily, slowly moves our northern lands towards a time of less light, may we find ways to keep the light burning within through our work and our hobbies, through connections with one another, through the comfort, the comfort of our homes. And as we are ever aware of the troubles of our wider world, especially people living in places of conflict who yearn to live in peace, and all those suffering and dying through migration, through seeking better, safer lives. Let us be the people who hold hope in our hearts and who by the, the beauty of our own living, bring some counterbalancing acts of love into this world. <coughs> at this turning point of the year. Let us find ways to rebalance our own lives. And may we know a love that transcends all human limitation, a love that fills us and spills from us and connects us one and all with each other and with our wider world. And may this be for the greater good of us all. Amen. Um, a few years ago, um, a group of us went to um, a workshop run by Joyce Rupp, whose name you'll see on this little hymn sheet. You'll also find it on the big hymn sheet if you prefer a larger font. Um, 
she is from the Servite community and uh, she has got a gift with words. And um, I'm particularly fond of a book of hers that she wrote with Macrina Baidaker um, called The Circle of Life, which is so much about you know, the issues that we're looking at today. Um, and this is a shared reading, so I'm inviting you to join in saying the words written in italics. And, and I wonder if any of this really relates to a phase of life that you're in at the moment. So may we be open to the teachings of autumn. And I accept beautiful, reject the tattered, torn parts of who I am when I treat things that are falling apart as my enemies. Walk me among the dying leaves. Let them tell me about their power to energize Earth's soil by their decomposition and their enriching humus. When I fear loss of my youthfulness and refuse to accept the reality of aging, turn my face to the brilliant colors of autumn trees, open my spirit to the mellow resonance of autumn sunsets and the beauty of the changing land. When I refuse to wait with the mystery of the unknown, when I struggle to keep control rather than to let life evolve. Wrap me in the darkening days of autumn and encourage me to wait patiently for clarity and vision as I live with uncertainty and insecurity. When I grow tired of using my own harvest of gifts to benefit others, take me to the autumn fields where earth shares the bounty of summer and allows her lands to surrender their abundance. When I neglect care for myself, I'm so absorbed in life's hurried pace. Oh, give me courage to slow down as I see how earth slows down and allows her soil to rest in silent, fallow space. When I fight the changes of unwanted, unsought events, and struggle to keep things just as they are instead of letting go. Place me on the wings of travelling birds flying south, willing to leave their nests of comfort as they journey to another destination. May our hearts grow freer and our lives more peaceful as we resonate with and respond to the many teachings this season offers to us. So may it be. I might need to underline some of those words and pin them on my fridge. And our, our next hymn now is one of those ones that would divide many a congregation. It's traditional, it's utterly heartwarming to me, it contains memories of childhood um, and some people find its certainty a tad irritating but <laughs> sing as you wish. Um, number 269, we plough the fields and scatter. <laughs>
is an adaptation of Jack Cornfield, a meditation teacher, his book, A Lamp in the Darkness, Illuminating the Path Through Difficult Times. I remember seeing a poster in a health food store in Santa Cruz in the 1970s of the Hindu guru Swami Shantananda with his long flowing beard standing on one leg in a little orange loincloth in the yogic position called the tree pose. What was remarkable about this picture was that the Swami was balanced in the tree pose on top of a surfboard on a really large wave. Underneath it said in big letters, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. The spirit of the practice of equanimity and peace is not the, that the waves will stop, but that our heart and mind become so open and balanced that we can behold the turning seasons of the world from a place of stillness. To find equanimity and peace requires an acceptance of the mystery of life itself. Modern science tells us that the Big Bang started the universe, hurling matter through space. Some of this matter formed stars, and some of the residue formed the planets. In this way, everything on the Earth, stones, frogs, clouds, our own living bodies, are formed out of the same material that formed the stars and planets. As the cosmologist Brian Swimmer says, four and a half billion years ago, the Earth was a flaming ball of molten rock, and now it can sing opera. When you can appreciate your life as part of this unfolding mystery of the immense forces that formed the entire universe, you can more easily accept the difficulties and hardships that you face. They are part of the unfolding of your life. Many of the difficulties you've faced include endings, but none of them so far has been the end of your story. Without knowing the whole story, it is impossible to draw definite conclusions about our difficulties. We are still in the middle of them and don't know how they will turn out. Unfortunately, there is no rule book for life. Ajahn Chah, my meditation teacher, used to say, things are uncertain, aren't they? To accept this basic uncertainty of life is to find the wisdom of insecurity. When we realize that things are fundamentally uncertain and learn how to relax into this uncertainty, we come to trust in the unfolding of our own individual lives within the vastness of all time and all space.
The summer ends and it is time to face another way. So writes Wendell Berry, farmer and poet and someone who knows the seasons of change in life and on our planet. And so as we enter a meditative time where we'll hold a good few minutes in silence together and that will come to an end with a chime from our bell, I ask you the question, are there areas of your life where you are having to learn to face another way? Can reflecting on the season of autumn help us at these times? So let's ready ourselves for a still time. Maybe enjoy the feeling of our bodies resting in our chairs, aware of our feet on the floor. Taking one of those lovely belly breaths that help settle us. Feeling our shoulders sink down a bit as we let go. Perhaps softening our gaze or closing our eyes or focusing on the candles or the harvest fruits and vegetables. Let's find a gentle rhythm in our breathing. Aware as we always are of other aspects of life and the sounds of the London street outside, yet able to turn our attention inwards for a while using our breathing to settle us and to allow insights to emerge. In this time when the summer ends and it is time to face another way. They, um, they do say that actually nobody likes change except a baby with a wet nappy. 
And if you've met babies with wet nappies, they're not that keen sometimes either. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, it's a, a bit more complicated than that because change is fine with me so long as I've chosen it. It's those changes that I haven't chosen and that life seemingly thrusts upon me. Those are the changes that I sometimes dislike and which given half a chance, I shall resist. And, and as I look round us all here today at church, I know how many people have had changes thrust upon them recently. In fact, I'd be surprised if there is a single person here with us in this room today who has not faced some changes in the last 12 months. Some of them joyous, some of them scary, some of them now completed, some still very much in transition, in progress unfinished, incomplete. And of course, incompletion, well, that's the stuff of life, isn't it? As soon as we are born, we're on a journey, a journey that rolls and unfolds before us, a journey with unexpected twists and turns. And it's a journey in which we, fortunate souls living in the kind of time that we are living in, time and land, we get to make many, many choices. We get chances to exercise our free will. And this life journey is, is one in which we are, some of us, some of the time at least, conscious and aware of what is going on. And we're humans who have the ability to reflect on our existences. And I think that is what gives our life both richness and poignancy. We are aware, aren't we, of time passing we watch ourselves change and grow both physically and emotionally. We're born, we die, and we know it. And the changes in our own lives, of course, are mirrored by the universe itself with its myriad processes, all working to their own timescales, spinning planets, burning sun, mysterious black holes, weather changing, Leaves on trees, fruits falling to the ground, roses fading, each with its own path to follow, its own sequence of changes. G.K. Chesterton wrote it, put it well, I think, when he wrote, all conservatism, meaning conservatism as a concept rather than referencing any political party here in the UK, all conservatism is based upon the idea that if you leave things alone, you leave them as they are. But you do not. If you leave a thing alone, he writes, you leave it to a torrent of change. And a torrent of change is what we are existing within. Alvin and Heidi Toffler wrote a book about this when they defined the term future shock as the shattering stress and disorientation that we induce in individuals by subjecting them to too much change in too short a time. And again, the, uh, continuing the quote, and the dizzying disorientation brought on by the premature arrival of the future. <laughs> that keeps happening to me. Now, the, the Tofflers are credited with first using the term information overload, which is my permanent state now. I cannot possibly process and deal with all the information that comes my way. 
I wonder, um, if, have any of you tried to buy a piece of electrical equipment um, recently? A television, perhaps, or, or something to play music on? Now, buying a TV in the olden days used to involve a decision about how big a screen you wanted to buy, and you had perhaps half a dozen choices. Well, standing in the midst of an electrical department store recently, it dawned on me that we are indeed in the midst of a new age. We're in the age, the era of home entertainment, in which every aspect has been made as varied as possible. And TVs and sound systems are just one tiny example of the complexity of our lives today. And as the Tofflers predicted when they wrote their book, Future Shock, some 50 years ago, I now realise with horror, um, they, they predicted the, that the effect on human beings facing too much change too quickly is shock, and that shock has to be worked through, processed, if you like, be it a change of TV or a far more profound change in our personal lives. Now, the need to work through change has always been known to the wise. I remember many years ago studying the work of an anthropologist called Van Gennep. He coined the term rites of passage to describe the ceremonies that tribal people use to mark a person's transition through life, birth, coming of age, marriage, death. Van Gennep studied many pre-industrial societies and he identified three key elements in any rite of passage. See if you recognise any of these. Firstly, there is an, an acknowledgement of an ending. This must be properly marked, he thought, in some ritualistic way, perhaps through grieving or through some symbolic letting go. The person undergoing the rite of passage is then considered to be in a second phase, a time of transition. They're about to cross over a threshold, to leave the past behind and to step out into the unknown. This is sometimes described as a liminal state, a threshold, that border between what is unconscious and conscious, like the shoreline perhaps of the sea, it's moving, it's shimmering, it's a borderland. This is a place of uncertainty. It is disorienting by its very nature because the psyche is in the process of reorienting itself, a bit like finding our way through fog or mist. When we're in the middle of a rite of passage, or indeed most changes in life, it can feel, can't it, as if we're a bit lost in the mist. It can be exciting, it can be exhilarating, it can also be scary. It's a time when we cannot know anything for sure because everything's there to be re-examined, reconsidered, and old routines may fall by the wayside. Uncertainty rules. This is the time when you need Jack Cornfield's wisdom of uncertainty, wisdom of insecurity, to know that that liminal phase eventually leads on to the stage of transition itself in which the change is made and the new situation is recognised and marked. So in an ancient initiation ceremony, for example, held to mark a, a young person's acceptance into the adult group, the middle phase may well involve a period of isolation and hardship. 
This is a time when the young person is tested in some way. And only when those tests have been undergone can the transition to adult status be properly marked by the group. And as I was thinking about transitions and changes this week, one realisation stood out for me, and I wonder if it does for you, that we as a society generally lack clear ways of marking our transitions. And the transitions that are noted the least, probably, are the private ones, the quite profound inner developments that we go through at various stages of life, a quiet letting go, coming to terms with, finding the necessary resolve to accept a situation, to step into a new phase of life that we've probably wanted to resist. These are the inner changes that I think we need to find ways to mark and honour. Now, there are some key spiritual teachings that are designed to help, through, help us through life's changes and transitions. We've heard these a hundred times before, and, and I personally am going to need them at least a hundred times more. I wonder if any of these key teachings particularly speak to you today. Okay, the first message is that struggle may contain something of value. Tough times are, surprise, surprise, tough. But they may bring blessings, new possibilities perhaps, fresh insights, valuable opportunities for growth. I think that valuable opportunities for growth is now abbreviated as AFGO, A-F-G-O. That's another flipping growth opportunity. This is the hidden jewel of fairy tales. Rewards may arrive after difficulties. So the second useful message in times of change is to savour the moment. When everything is all over the place, in a state of flux, our senses are heightened. And if we stay as much as we can in the present moment, it can be a very rich time indeed. And the third spiritual teaching for times of challenge and change, it's my favourite, this too shall pass. Helpful reminder that nothing stays the same, not us, not those around us, not our society, nor any situation in which we find ourselves. It's become a bit of a mantra, this one, for a few of my friends, and our stop response now, which you may want to take on, is so when you get the helpful reminder from anyone, even from yourself, this too shall pass. The answer is, yeah, and it may get worse. <laughs> and what we have to remind ourselves and our companions on life's journey is that, yeah, this too shall pass, things get worse. But generally on this life journey, we do find that we have the resources to manage ourselves as life changes come our way. So, here's the suggestion that we pack up our rucksack for life's journeys with these three teachings. Look for the blessing in every situation, savour the moment, stay as much as possible in the here and now, and remember that this too shall pass. Then we're as well equipped as we're ever going to be for the ever-spinning seasons of change that are our lives. So may it be.
We have Benji with us again, and I keep choosing hymns that are just perfect for your voice, Benji, because I so love you leading the singing. So this is why we keep singing this hymn every month. Number 209, A World Transfigured. Brilliant hymn, 209. As we step out into the week ahead, may we harvest fruits of peace and love and justice and share our gifts with all those we meet. May we greet the changing seasons of our lives with understanding, knowing that this too shall pass. All is movement, all is change. Travel well. Amen. Go well and blessed be.